Hey, Shuang Esther Shan here. I hope you're enjoying Shopify Masters and have been inspired by our guests. But we know we can always do better, so we want to hear from you. We got this short survey that we would love for you to fill out. The address is easy to remember. It's Shopify.com/survey. Head on over there, and if you finish the survey, we got gift cards and other sweet merchandise you could win. Again, that's Shopify.com/survey. Help us make our show better. And thanks. I stayed true to my word and came back two weeks later. We got into about nine out of ten stores I approached. Uh, so I think that authenticity, that connection, that uh, "quote unquote" guerrilla sales uh, really helped us out to get this uh, thing off the ground. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Shopify Masters, the podcast powered by Shopify, your companion for starting and building a business. I'm your host, Felix Teal. All right, I think we can all admit we've noticed that middle school kids kind of stink. That's actually how Kyle Lafon got the inspiration for his business, American Provenance. One of the things that parents do for these kids is to buy them deodorants, but they're full of harmful chemicals that kids should not be exposed to. So Kyle started making natural deodorant from household ingredients, and began hosting classes to teach others to make it too. Then in 2015. Kyle launched American Provenance from their fourth-generation family farm to create all-natural personal care products, and is now a seven-figure business. Kyle, welcome to the show. Great, Felix. Thanks for having me. You stole all my thunder there. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get into more interesting things on this episode. So, your grandparents, who were traditional family farmers, inspired you to become an entrepreneur. What was their reaction when you were starting your business? At first, I thought I was crazy. You know, it's one of those things where, of course, your grandparents and your parents, everyone wants to be supportive. They want to see you succeed. And my grandparents, you know, a lot of folks don't think about it, but family farmers are kind of the original entrepreneurs, right? Uh, they're folks that basically have to do everything's on, everything on their own. They don't have any type of backup system or folks to rely on, and you have to be really quick on your feet and think and resolve issues and come up with solutions to problems. So my grandparents, they knew how difficult it was going to be. So of course they were hesitant, but uh, once I told them I was completely committed to it, they were very very supportive and uh, loved the products as soon as we came out.、Uh, still serves inspiration today, even though unfortunately they've both passed on since. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sure they've been so proud of how you've grown American Providence. Why don't you take us back to the beginning and tell us how you came up with the initial formulations and packaging? Yeah, so the formulation, all of our my R and D, that actually occurred while I was teaching.、Uh, so as you mentioned, I taught middle school and high school science here for a number of years in Wisconsin, and、uh, the project I developed in class where I showed my kids how to make、uh, cosmetic products using household ingredients. In the middle school environment, you have to model everything. So every year, I had six sections. So basically, I'm doing this year in and class in, class out. Um, so all of my R and D was done right there in the classroom. So over the course of five years, I made about thirty different deodorant formulations before I finally stumbled upon one that I really liked. And the way this thing kind of all got started was、uh, every year that we did this project, I accumulated this huge stockpile of stuff that I had basically put together on my own, and、uh, didn't want to throw it out. So I figured, hey, let me. See if my friends want to try this out. And to a person, they all came back and said, "Hey, you've got some really great stuff here. You might be able to do this as a business." So、uh, my friends actually provided all the support and all the kind of initiative I needed to get off the ground. That's amazing. And when you were getting off the ground, you started selling your products in small retail stores in your hometown and doing in-store demos before eventually launching online and building the, the brand from there. What were some of the initial reactions or feedback that you were getting from selling in person and doing these demos? Yeah, and personally, it was kind of shocking. 
a lot of folks, a lot of store buyers or store owners, uh, they weren't accustomed to a founder or an owner actually coming into a shop. So for me to walk in and introduce myself as, hey, I'm Kyle LaFont, I'm the founder of this company. These are the products that I made myself. These formulations are all my own. Um, it was kind of shocking because a lot of folks, uh, they weren't accustomed to that. They were accustomed to perhaps having sales reps come in or uh, other folks associated with the business. But to have uh, the guy that actually put it together be right there in front of you, I think a lot of folks really took that to heart. And what I did, I was very deliberate about dropping off a lot of samples so folks can actually try our products before they commit to buying them. And I told all these folks, I said, here, try these out for the next couple of weeks. I'll come back. And at that point, we'll make a decision on whether or not you want to carry this in your store. And I think a lot of folks at first thought that we'll never see this guy again. He's just rolling through trying to sell products. But the fact that I actually stayed true to my word and came back two weeks later, we got into about nine out of 10 stores I approached. Uh, so I think that authenticity, that connection, that uh, quote-unquote guerrilla sales uh, really helped us out to get this uh, thing off the ground. You've had a lot of success pitching to different stores. Can you share what made your process so successful? Well, the biggest thing is just stepping out of the car. Uh, there are a lot of folks that, uh, unfortunately, for one reason or another, you know, get a little gun shy and uh, don't have it in them to actually make that step to present a product and try to get it on a store shelf. Uh, for me, I just told my story and I stayed true to who I am. So I told them that, hey, former teacher, we launched this on my family farm. We make all of our own products in-house, which we still do today, which is incredible. And that we want to support them. I think that's the thing that a lot of retailers wanted to hear, that we were going to stand behind it. So I often do all kinds of in-store demos. Uh, we often do promotions right away, which often do advertising. So uh, being a true partner, I think, is what a lot of our retail partners really appreciate about that, about us. And uh, the fact that we understood that, uh, that from day one, I think has helped us tremendously. Doing these in-person demos, you probably learn a lot about what your customers care about. What kind of helpful feedback did you get? Yeah, I, I love being in stores because uh, basically you get uh, you get two points of reference. And this is a concept that I stole from a much larger uh, international corporation. They often talk about FPI and SPI. And what that means is first product compression and second product compression. First product compression, you know, what encourages people to actually pick a product up off a shelf, put it in their hand or actually put it in their cart? You know, what's appealing to them? And then SPI, how does that product actually perform? So that'd be second product compression. So uh, talking to our customers, I was very, very quickly able to decipher if they were talking about FPI or SPI and figure out where we need to actually place our emphasis. A lot of the SPI, second product compression stuff, was overwhelmingly positive. Hey, this is great. It's got minimal ingredients, um, simple formulations. It works. Uh, the FBI stuff, um, that was developed over time. So we've had to actually make some changes to our labels and our messaging based on what our consumers have told us. You know, there's uh, such a thing called brand hierarchy or product hierarchy, excuse me, where on any type of label, it should always be, you know, brand, product, variety in that order. And a lot of folks, when you look at advertising today or marketing, they don't understand that. So for us, we didn't get it either at day one. It's uh, been a continual learning process. But now with everything you see out there on our labels and our marketing, it's always brand, product, variety uh, in that order because that's how people like to encounter and approach products. After this process, nine out of 10 stores were happy with you. After success in these stores, when did you feel ready to start the online store? That was actually about uh, when well, we launched the online store, gosh, uh, from day one. But unfortunately, this is my first uh, time as an entrepreneur. And uh, one of the things that I fear most is not knowing what I don't know. We launched our first website on a different platform, which was uh, a terrible experience. Um, it was one of those platforms where basically it's good for Main Street businesses that just want to have a phone number but aren't serious about e-commerce. 
then it took me a couple of years to actually encounter some other uh, founders and owners and really have more discussions about what platform is really successful. And now I preach Shopify up and down to everyone I talk to. Basically, the information and analytics that Shopify provides are night and day compared to any other platform. So anyone who's serious about building an e-com business, I tell them Shopify is the only way to go. Uh, and we've been extremely happy with Shopify ever since we made that change. We've seen our sales increase dramatically uh, just because we're able to better understand our customers, where they're at, and uh, what their purchasing uh, patterns are. As the business scaled, when did you stop making the products yourself? Yeah, that was uh, pretty immediately. Um, gosh. I built out a team initially that was myself, our creative director, and our general manager. So for about the first year and a half, it was just the three of us. And we were all wearing all kinds of hats, doing all kinds of stuff. Um, and then when we really picked up momentum, and uh, especially with our online business, that's when uh, we felt the need to bring out more folks to work exclusively in production and in shipping. Um, so yeah, it was shortly after our transition to Shopify, which would have been about uh, a year and a half, two years in was when we started hiring folks to, to work in production and really had that as their dedicated job. We talked about deodorant so far, but you've expanded now to beard oil, body wash, and other personal care products. Can you tell us about how the product line evolved and how you knew what to launch next? Yeah, so we're looking at a lot of our competitors, and then I'm looking at uh, white space on store shelves. So when I'm out and about uh, seeing where there are product holes and talking to retailers, uh, you know, what's selling? What's actually moving off your shelves? What are the velocities? So getting that information and intel from our retail partners has been extremely helpful. And then also looking online, you know, basically taking a look at these popular social media platforms. We all know what I'm talking about, Facebook and Instagram, seeing who's advertising, uh, seeing what influencers are using and what they're putting out there, and then building products to match. Um, for us, I wanted to, to build a complete portfolio of products uh, so guys could have stuff that smells the same from head to toe. It was always one of my little pet peeves uh, when I was a little bit younger was that I'd be using different products on my hair, my beard, my skin, and they all smelled differently. Um, so I smelled like a college frat party most days, which uh, no one wants. So all of our products are made in the same, same scent profiles. So again, you can smell the exact same from head to toe. I'm chatting with Kyle LaFond, founder of American Provenance. They make minimal ingredient deodorants, body washes, and grooming products for men. You bootstrapped the business in the first three years. Can you tell us how much investment was required to get this going? And when I started this business, I was actually in the process of saving money to put down a down payment on a house. And uh, I thought, hey, this is going to be my future. This is where I want. This is my stable life where I've got a good job. And then uh, all of that kind of went to the wayside. When I figured out I wanted to launch my own business, all that money that I had set aside and then some additional funds I put towards this thing. So uh, those first three years, I personally contributed about a quarter million dollars to get this thing up and running. Uh, at about the three-year mark, that's when we discovered that, hey, uh, we're going to need more cash. We can't continue to bootstrap forever. Um, so that's when we brought in some outside investors. And I've been very fortunate to have some very good investors that join us along the way. And uh, we keep on growing this thing, and they're just as passionate about the business and our products as I am and my internal team. So um, it's been a really good ride with good people. Quarter million dollars for three years, that can be pretty lean. What are some lessons that you've learned about managing cash flows while you are bootstrapping? Learn to say no. Um, when you start a business, you get approached by all kinds of vendors and all kinds of reps selling all kinds of services. Um, and it can be appealing. At some point, you know, you hear these messages over and over again. You know, we can scale you from where you are today to, you know, 10x, 20x in the next six months. You have to realize that a lot of these folks, that's their job is to sell a service. And it's okay to say no. I listen to quite a few people, so I'll take that initial call. 
Um, but if it's not right for our business, if it's not right for our funding structure or our long-term projections, you need to learn how to say no and, and move on. So that was probably the most important question, most important lesson I learned early on was that you know you don't need to talk to everybody, you don't need to take every proposal that comes across the desk. You need to say no, and you need to keep the best interest in the business at the top of your mind at all times. And after three years, you did realize that we need more cash to keep on growing this. What did you see that made you realize that it was now the right time to look for outside funding? Yeah. So after three years, we had grown beyond being uh, just kind of a local or even a regional business. And we were starting to pick up accounts uh, kind of all over the nation. And at that point, our competitive landscape changed a little bit. Instead of competing against companies that were similar in size to where we were, we were now going up like these international giants. I'm talking about Unilever, P&J, P&G, J&J, S.E. Johnson, you name it. Those companies, they've got unlimited financial resources and can pump all kinds of money into supporting their products from a digital marketing aspect uh, to all kinds of other ways in which to sell products. So in order to compete, uh, you know, I can't match them dollar for dollar, uh, but I can be savvy about how we spend our money. Uh, but I did need some additional resources beyond what I had available to myself to actually kind of bridge that gap and get to a point where, hey, we can stand alongside those those guys. We're not going to beat them because we can't have, we don't have that money to spend, but uh, we can at least uh, be mentioned in the same conversation. And as part of this fundraising process, you participate in an accelerator program where you learn how to put together a pitch for investors. What are some of the important points that should be included in a pitch? Yeah. Uh, so for us, uh, basically problem and solution. What's the problem that you're trying to fix and what's the solution that you're offering? Um, and then product mar- market fit. If you have a prototype or if you have products that you already have out there, demonstrate uh, your sales ability and demonstrate your velocities. Uh, tell your investors how your products are moving and how you're growing. So for us, the biggest thing has always been uh, why do people need our products? And for us, it, it comes down to having better, safer, healthier alternatives to conventional products. You know, if you take a look at the back panel of a particular product, a cosmetic product, a body care product, that's where we win. Because what happens if you look at conventional products, those back labels, those panels, that's just a litany of all kinds of ingredients. And most folks don't even know what those ingredients are. So for us, we keep it very straightforward and simple. So if you look at our back panel, all of our products have less than a dozen ingredients. Uh, Our deodorants have six ingredients, and they're all primarily household items. And so uh, ingredients that folks know and are familiar with. So uh, we really focus on the back label, and uh, we win by, again, being a little bit shorter and being more straightforward. And when you're going through this process of fundraising, was there anything that was surprising, anything that you didn't expect while going into it? I learned a lot about uh, investing in the United States. Uh, I learned that most investment dollars, of course, can go towards companies on the coasts, uh, be it Silicon Valley, be it New York, New Jersey. Uh, There's very little investment here in the Midwest. And I learned a lot about risk tolerance. Uh, I learned that a lot of Midwestern investors are very conservative and risk averse. Uh, They want something that's going to be perhaps a sure bet. Whereas folks on the coast, uh, investors who have been doing this for a long time, uh, they're much more risk tolerant. Uh, So they're willing to write a check and understanding that, hey, some companies are going to fail. The one or two that make it are going to make it big. And that's where we're going to win. So uh, I learned a lot about investor mentality and, and how to approach these folks. Um, there are some very, very good, engaged investors out there. And when you find those folks, you got to stick with them. Uh, on the flip side, there are some folks out there that uh, are kind of casual investors. And basically, they're just looking for something to talk with their friends about at the country club. Uh, they're really not serious in investing in your company. They're not serious about being involved in it. Uh, they just want to say perhaps that they knew you win. 
Um, so you really got to kind of sort out the folks who are serious about it and want to be diligent and engaged. And those folks that, uh, again, are just uh, looking to have some giggles and, and tell their buddies that they invested in a company. You met an investor who taught you about how they consider time, talent, and treasure before investing. What does this mean? I talked to this gentleman from Texas, and he was he was wonderful. And he gave me all kinds of insight in terms of why and how he invests in companies. And you hit it around the head. It's time, talent, and treasure. What he looks at for any one of his investments, number one, you know, the people that he's talking to, do they have the talent? Do they have the capacity? Do they have the ability to actually see this thing through? Time, are they going to make this their primary uh, profession? Are they going to be all in? He doesn't invest in any part-timers or anyone that uses this as kind of a side hustle. He wants to know that you're dedicated to it. Why should he give you money if you're not putting your whole self into it? And then treasure, uh, basically that you put your own money in. He said that's uh, oftentimes a really good sign about entrepreneurs is that uh, when they're willing to put their own money into their company and stand behind their product or their service, then he knows they're really serious about it. So this whole concept of talent, treasure, and time, uh, I think they're really good uh, kind of notions to gauge any investment by. I'm excited to hear more about your journey, Kyle, right after this quick message from Shopify. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or in the middle of scaling one, we know that building a business can be lonely at times. To bring fellow founders together, we've launched our merch store, Shopify Supply. From hoodies to socks, you can represent your hustle spirit. Check it out at shopify.supply. That's shopify.supply. And use the code PODCAST for 10% off your complete order, and you'll get free shipping within North America too. Happy shopping! Welcome back. I'm chatting with Kyle LaFon, founder of American Provenance. They make minimal ingredient deodorants, body washes, and grooming products for men. You stopped investing in digital marketing because of your bad experience with it. What was happening? Yeah, so uh, we did quite a bit of digital marketing throughout the course of the, the early days of the pandemic. You know, everyone was shifting to online shopping and people were looking for healthier alternatives and different products. As we've kind of come out of the pandemic right now, um, we've realized that, hey, we need to go where our customers are. And, you know, I ask people all the time, when was the last time you actually jumped online and went to a company expressly to buy deodorant or expressly to buy a men's grooming product? The answer is hardly ever, if, if ever. Um, so you have to go where your customers are. So we've kind of gone all in now on Amazon.com, Target.com, Walmart.com, Walgreens.com, Thrive.com, all these .coms that have their own audiences built in. It's really kind of counterintuitive uh, for us to continue to spend money to drive traffic to our own website when there's so few people that are going to actually go and go through and actually convert. Whereas we feel we're much better off to spend that money with our partners who have these built-in audiences that are much, much larger than our own and compete on those platforms. Do you see customers from these platforms eventually making to your site and buying direct from you? We do. So, of course, we track all that stuff. And uh, basically, we take a look at uh, the folks that come from Amazon and perhaps transition over to our site. Oftentimes, they're looking for a deal or they're looking for products that aren't listed on Amazon. So, of course, Amazon, the way it works with FBA, you know, a lot of our high volume products are on there, but it doesn't make sense for us to put all of our products on that platform. So, what we get are uh, quote unquote super fans, folks that uh, maybe subscribe and have subscription service through Amazon. On, we're looking for more products from us. So they come to our own website to see if they can't support the brand by buying other things or perhaps buying some merchandise, buying a hat or a t-shirt or something like that. So uh, I think Amazon and these, these other uh, 
web platforms where people buy products. Um, basically, it's a really great introductory standpoint. You know, a lot of folks don't understand it, but Amazon is at this point the second largest search engine in the world. So folks are using Amazon to find products. And once they find them, they want to learn more. And that's when they go to our own website. Yeah, I'd imagine the margins on your website are much better than on, on these platforms. Are there ways for you to incentivize people that are maybe finding you first on a platform like Amazon to eventually come check out your store? Yeah, we're trying all the time to push traffic um, by providing bundles or limited edition stuff or hot buys or deals or even mystery buys. There's all kinds of different ways to do it and to get folks to kind of visit your own site. So you're right. So you don't avoid those uh, those fees that, uh, that Amazon has out there. Um, we understand where our break-even point is on Amazon. So until we hit that break-even point every month, I think Jeff Bezos actually makes more money per product than we do. So it's it's funny how it's structured. Um, and I'm hoping at some point uh, there's uh, another competitor for Amazon uh, because it's just a beast and they've got uh, basically all the leverage in the world. So you listed off maybe five, six, maybe more platforms there. How do you manage inventory and sales across everything? Yeah, so we're very fortunate in the fact that we are a true manufacturer. So we've never had a supply chain disruption. We've never had an on stock because we make everything here at our own facility. So that's really uh, kind of a benefit that sets us apart. A lot of folks don't understand or know that most cosmetic companies and personal care companies out there, they're really just marketing firms. Uh, so basically they're putting together all kinds of marketing campaigns and advertising, but they're buying the same products from the same contract manufacturers and just putting a different label on it. So they're doing a good job of, of selling that product, uh, but again, they're selling products that they perhaps didn't formulate themselves or have never even stepped in a lab to make a product. Uh, so for us, but again, the fact that we're a true manufacturer, we control our own destiny. And one of the things we've done over the course of pandemic to help other companies out is we've actually started our own contract manufacturing. Some of these larger contract manufacturers, they increased their minimum order quantities throughout the pandemic to, you know, say 10 to 20,000 units per SKU. For a lot of small companies and startups, uh, that's not feasible. So for us, we start contract manufacturing where we can offer folks, you know, as few as 500 units per particular SKU to help them get off the ground or even trial new products. Um, so uh, being a manufacturer has really helped us out in terms of uh, our product flow. So switching to physical retail, you're now selling on over 4,000 shelves nationally, including Whole Foods and Hy-Vee. How did you grow this retail network? The first three years, uh, basically, that was you know, me in my truck and handing out samples. Uh, after that, I realized I need some help. And so uh, I've now hired two sales directors, one who manages the entire East Coast, so East Mississippi River, and one that manages the West Coast, just west of the Mississippi. Alongside that, uh, we've hired a brokerage firm that has worked with major retailers to really help us get on shelf. A lot of folks don't realize it, but uh, trying to get on shelf at uh, major grocers and retailers, that's a process. They all have their own review periods every year where basically they take a look at the products that they're considering bringing in. And you have to hit that review period and basically present products at the right time. So working with our sales reps and our brokers has made a world of difference in terms of being able to get those products to market. Is there anything that's been helpful for you to get into more stores? Like, What do these big chains typically care about when you approach them? Yeah, so the big stuff is, number one, that we're local and independent, uh, basically that we make all of our own products. Um, so I can walk in and, again, tell the story about how I'm the guy. These are more, my formulations, my company. We make everything in-house. Um, so being able to have that story and then, again, talk about FPI and SPI and talk about uh, our customers and how we've had so many customers from day one that are still buying our products. A lot of folks really want to know about that repeat revenue, that recurring revenue. So by the fact that we're a durant men's grooming company, you know, 
often do you buy that deodorant? Probably three, four, five, six times a year, right? So those are multiple transactions. And so a lot of folks want to know how many subscribers we have, how many long-term customers we have. And for me, I can go in and tell these folks that, you know, at retail, we've actually never lost a single retail customer. Um, the only ones we've lost have actually been those that have gone out of business, unfortunately. So there's been some small mom and pop shops and then maybe some restructuring. But uh, once we're on shelf, we tend to stay because our velocities put us there. And of course, we do all kinds of advertising and promos and in-store demos to make sure we, we continue to sell. Once you get a product on a shelf, you have to realize that's just the beginning. The real work starts then uh, because you need to get in the hands of the end consumer. Yeah, we talked earlier about how you are able to transform customers from an online platform like Amazon to your, your own store. What about transforming customers that are seeing you for the first time or buying from you from these retail stores to buying from you direct on your own website? Yeah, that happens all the time. And what we see, we see some nice bumps over the course of the year. So they used to say that uh, it used to take uh, someone seeing something seven times for it to really sink in. You know, now because of the information age and all kinds of stuff, our attention spans are quite a bit shorter. So I've heard stuff that people perhaps need to see something 30 times before they actually step in and buy it. So for us, uh, people may see uh, a product at a major retailer or even a mom and pop. But if they're at home or if they're traveling and they want to have our products, it's easy enough just to jump online and purchase those. So having a web presence has been very, very important for us. We've got a number of uh, folks throughout the years that have said, hey, I saw you at a store when I was traveling. I know it's not my hometown, so it was nice to just jump online and buy your stuff when I got back home. Um, so that happens all the time. So having exposure in some major retailers and again, even some mom and pops where folks can see our stuff. And if it's not local to them when they get home to be able to order stuff, that's great. The other thing that happens quite oftentimes is people will see that we have a limited variety on shelf. So when you're talking about deodorants, we actually make 10 different varieties, but most retailers only carry three or four. They just don't have the shelf space. They've got other brands, other products to put on shelf. So for a lot of folks, it's nice that they can jump online and see, holy cow, there's more products online than are available at the store level, uh, and I'm going to buy those now. Um, so I think the website really helps out in terms of folks that are looking for uh, a deeper variety or a broader depth of products that we make. Amazing. So what's in store for the future of American Providence? Rural domination. Um, no, we're going to keep on doing what we're doing. We're going to continue to grow this thing uh, very pragmatically. There are a bunch of companies out there and, you know, you know who I'm talking about. These companies that raise tens of millions of dollars and have these ad campaigns and maybe Super Bowl ads or crazy stuff like that. Um, and I don't think that's sustainable. I don't think you can raise millions of dollars in the hope of selling products. I just don't think that's a very good plan. So for us, we've always been strategic. I want to make sure that we get to a point where we're profitable. So by the end of this year, we should be profitable, which is great. Uh, since we're into year seven now, the pandemic, of course, was a struggle for everybody. But for me and growing this business, focusing on profitability, when I don't think other companies are, I think that's going to pay huge dividends in the end, uh, because I think that's going to make us a much stronger company over time. Uh, so continue to build this thing out. Um, I mentioned contract manufacturing before, continue to build that out. Um, and then really bring in new products. We've got a whole bunch of new products we're going to introduce towards the end of this year and early in 23. And I'm excited for those to hit market and to, to see people's reaction to them. Thank you so much for joining me today. Kyle LaFon, founder of American Providence. They make minimal ingredient deodorants, body washes, and grooming products for men. Thank you so much. Thank you, Felix. Appreciate it. And that's all the time we have this week. Come hang out with us next time on Shopify Masters. Again, I'm Felix Thiel. Take care.